Well, hey, everybody, how are you guys doing? Hope you had a great weekend. This is Heidi St. John, and you guys have found me here at the intersection of faith and culture. I am your host, and this is the Off the Bench podcast. Today's Mailbox Monday, and I'm going to tackle your questions, including a question about speaking up at work in a pro-woke environment, and what does the Bible have to say about the death penalty? Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, hey, everybody. I hope you are having a great summer wherever you are. We are busy, busy, busy here at the Firmly Planted Family Homeschool Resource Center. This is the week that we close on the building that the Lord has so graciously provided for our ministry. I hope you guys are following what's going on here. If you'd like some behind the scenes snapshots of what's going on here at Firmly Planted Family, you can sign up to become a subscriber to the Heidi St. John podcast. And we are sending out those updates, trying to do it at least weekly. There are so many good things that the Lord is doing. I was talking to my friend, Pastor Phil, and by the way, we've had a lot of really great response. And some of you are upset with me, but for the most part, a lot of really great response to my podcast last Friday, talking about the role of women teaching other women theology. And I had the opportunity to call my friend, Pastor Phil Hopper, and sort of get his thoughts on this. Many of you know that I'm a super fan of Pastor Phil and the work he's doing at Abundant Life Church in Lee's Summit, Missouri. And so not this week, but next week, he's going to come on the show with me and we're going to take up this topic again because it sort of led into a lot of different conversations about women in the church and why I think it's so important that we get this right. And so uh, I'm going to come back at some point and we're going to talk about that tomorrow on the show. I'm going to dig into the documentary, Shiny Happy People, and give you a little bit of my takeaway from that documentary. I think some of you may be surprised at a few of the tidbits that I came away with, but I think it's an important conversation. And so tune in tomorrow for that. I'll be talking about that documentary, Shiny Happy People. All right. I'm going to answer a couple of your questions today. Thank you guys for continuing to write into me here at the show. If you would like to have your question addressed at the Heidi St. John podcast, the way to do it is really simple. Just go to Mailbox Monday, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. And that is how you can have your question answered at the podcast. This one came in from a listener in Mississippi. And actually, we get this question all the time at the show. And I think I've talked about it before, but I'm going to address this again because People are looking for work right now. Obviously, lots of frustrating things happening in the workplace on the heels of Pride Month and many Christians, really, who are working for companies like Target and Nike and Adidas, who is now selling swimming suits for men that can make you look like a woman. It's disgusting. And there are a lot of really good people who've worked for these companies for a long time who are struggling with what do we do at the workplace? And this listener was in that same spot. Uh, she wrote in to say, do you have any ideas on how I can get off the bench and speak up for my faith in Jesus in the workplace? I work from home for a large hospital in an extremely liberal state. This company bombards its employees with DEI agenda. For those of you who are wondering what that is, it's diversity, equity, inclusion. It is the language of the modern left. And for Pride Month, of course, She said it was just unbearable there. She said, I read the daily email in which the company announces a chance to win tickets to a drag brunch, and I'm so convicted that I should be vocal and stand against this wickedness, but I fear for my job. Another listener of the show wrote in to ask, 
what he could do, given the fact that he was in leadership in one of these companies and really feels the need to give voice to the concerns, not only of himself, but of lots and lots. He said even hundreds of employees at this woke corporation who feel stifled and threatened because they don't want to go along with this, uh, the propaganda, especially on the heels of Pride Month. And so I'm going to say to you what I have been saying, I think really all along, I mean, the whole theme of my show is to get you guys off the bench, to engage you in every sphere of influence. We should be having a voice uh, in the public square. We should be talking out about things that are happening at our hospitals. It should matter to Christians that uh, transgender transgenderism is being pushed on our children. It should matter to us who our leaders are. We should be able to have these conversations. And for so long, we decided that we would get out of the public square and get out of the discourse, and we relegated ourselves to the four walls of our churches. And now we're having a real hard time getting back out into the public square, getting back into the public discourse. But I'm going to continue to encourage you. I believe that that is where we should be. So anytime you need to make a decision, consider what Daniel did. So Daniel, right, uh, growing up really in Babylon, and he served the Lord under a king who was not a believer. In other words, a king who was a secular king. And Daniel served God under tremendously trying, challenging circumstances and through various situations that most of us would have been terrified of. And in fact, eventually he was thrown into the lion's den because he was tricked by the leaders in his area and they tried to get him to not bow down and worship God. Well, what did he do? He, he decided, as Joshua and so many others in the Bible have demonstrated to us, that his allegiance lies with the Lord of heaven's armies. And so Daniel worshiped God, and for that, he was thrown into the lion's den. The Bible records that King Darius was grieved about this, and he didn't want to do that. But he had made a decree that, uh, that, the, that men and women in his kingdom would bow to him. And Daniel refused to do that, would bow only to the living God. We remember this happened with Mordecai. Many, many stories of God's people throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, really do center around their growing up or coming into very challenging times for people of faith, for followers of God. And I loved that Daniel went to the Lord for wisdom. Not only did he go to the Lord for wisdom, but like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he was like, Lord, if I, if I perish, I perish, right? Uh, if, we, if you don't save us out of the fiery furnace, we still will know that we did not bow to the gods of this age, but we stayed true to the living God. This is exactly what Esther's heart was when she went before King Xerxes on behalf of the Jewish people. We have seen courage modeled for us in the Bible. And for these two anonymous listeners, I would say again, courage will be required. But we also want to be wise. The Bible teaches us that we are to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, meaning that we should be asking God for wisdom, that we should never be inviting trouble for the sake of inviting trouble. Because remember, you are an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ, and God will give you wisdom. James 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask it of God who gives to all generously without holding back. It will be given to you. God desires that you have his heart and that you are an ambassador for him that is a good representative of the kingdom. And so I would say before you do anything, ask the Lord, what, what do you want me to do? 
And often when God shows up, when you begin to get that answer to prayer, it it's maybe going to make your heart race a little bit or your hands get sweaty and you may be going, oh man, I'm, I'm starting to see that this is what God wants me to do. And maybe you're afraid and God's saying, listen, I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I think of the coach in Bremerton, Washington, who was fired from his job for kneeling to pray on a football field in Washington state. And he has recently been exonerated, of course, but not before being fired and being ridiculed by almost every liberal newspaper in the country. He did what was right. And at the end of the day, we need to serve God and not men. There may be times when God asks you to stay where you are and you're not supposed to speak out and you're not supposed to do anything. You're supposed to remain quiet. Ask the Lord. He will show you. We want to be wise. You want to be shrewd in how you handle your public faith in the marketplace, particularly if that place is hostile toward Christianity. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I uh, remember I said last week to a similar question, wherever we go, whether it's at work or to the dentist or to the grocery store, we carry with us the fragrance of Christ. In other words, people should know there's something different and not different weird, but different good. Uh, they should want what we have because we have Jesus Christ, the hope of heaven, uh, living inside of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I would just encourage you, I think um, a lot of listeners are writing in and saying things like they have gone and they've written letters to their board of directors. They've gone directly to their boss or to their immediate supervisor and said, hey, I don't want to participate in this. Or can you guys, I just want you to hear another opinion. You're promoting what is uh, offensive to me as a Christian. You're promoting transgenderism or whatever it is. But before you do that, you want to pray over what that might be. And then trust that God is going to give you the answers that you need at just the right time, because that's how God is. That's how he works. Uh, I've been really interested and encouraged to read many of your comments that you're leaving on YouTube and over at Rumble. Uh, I interviewed the Catholic priest, Dr. Frank Pavone, several weeks ago. Some of you remember he was the priest who was defrocked because of his pro-life activism. Uh, and again, you know, uh, Joe Biden, who is a, a the most horrible Catholic maybe to ever walk the face of the earth, claims to be Catholic, but he's obviously not pro-life. Frank Pavone is the opposite of him. And this comment was left. She said, Heidi, I loved hearing from Father Frank. He was so positive. My favorite comment that he said, and I thought this was great too, uh, he said, don't be so concerned about division. Make sure you are on the right side of the division, adhering to what is true, following what is right, and doing what is good. Man, that's some great advice from Father Frank Pavone. And when I was talking to my friend, Pastor Phil Hopper, last week about this move, particularly that we see coming from the Reformed Church to discourage women from teaching the Bible to other women, he said something to me that I thought was really powerful and right on the money. He said, we live in a time of extremes, extreme politics, extreme sports, 
extreme wickedness. You know, we're we're allowing things. You know, you guys saw many of you uh, over the month, you know, the Pride Month, and then they wrap it up with their disgusting parades. And in this in this season, uh, n- you know, naked women and naked men frolicking in the streets in front of little children. This is an extreme. It's extreme wickedness. We live in a time where we are reacting in extreme ways to things that are extreme. But we need to be careful as Christians not to fall into that and not to react to things in extremes. And so I would say that that's true even in the workplace. So consider your job that you, if you have a, if you're the primary breadwinner in your family and you are working for a company that's woke and you don't have another job, would God want you to not have, not have your children be fed, right? Would he want you to, you know, commit a, a professional suicide by, you know, doing something that you knew was going to get you into trouble? I was laughing about a worker who apparently was one of the producers at the Fox News Network and a friend of Tucker Carlson's. Many of you saw a couple of weeks ago that the, the ticker, you know, the, the information that's often up on the screen under a particular speaker or allows the, the viewer to have more information about what's happening on the screen in front of them, he put underneath Joe Biden, he, he said that uh, Joe Biden was a wannabe dictator. Well, He's right, of course, but for that, he was fired from his job. Now, I can imagine that before he put that on the ticker on Fox News, he knew he had already counted the cost. He knew he would likely be fired for that, and indeed he was. So consider the cost uh, as you are entering into a tumultuous times at work or whatever it is, consider the cost and ask the Lord to give you wisdom. This comment came in from a podcast that I did called Christianity and Politics. Now is the time for both. And this listener said, I get so frustrated with some Christians view on biblical love. We can't even call out sin without some saying that we're not being loving. Biblical love does not mean we must stay quiet and accept sin. Boy, that's really, that's really true. I love that you pointed that out. Another comment came in from Dukes and Daughters on Mailbox Monday. And she said, I wear a lot of Jesus-related T-shirts. It's always a good conversation starter in public waiting rooms, et cetera. And while we are talking, we're essentially sharing the gospel to those around us. I am a super fan of statement shirts. You guys have seen me in a lot of them over the years. Uh, one of my friends sells these shirts for a living. And I, I, I should get the statistics. You guys, it is thousands and thousands and thousands of people that will see the statement that you wear on a shirt. And so just like they would see a a bad statement, they'll also see a good one. And we have some wonderful merch being designed right now that hopefully is going to come out in the fall from the ministry here. I can't wait to show it to you guys. But boy, keep those statement shirts coming. I really love that. Uh, Another Apple podcast review came in from fellow female Mighty Warrior. And she said, excellent show, very informative and encouraging. Thank you guys for leaving reviews. By the way, when you leave reviews for the show over at iTunes, that helps boost us in the ratings and it lets more people see the show. So if you get the opportunity to do that, we'd really like for you to do it. All right. Another question came in. What do you think about Christian romance novels and should they be the books that most women consume the most? Well, they, I think, you know, the, the, the obvious answer to that is no, they shouldn't be the things that we consume the most. I think we should be consuming uh, the Bible. But I don't have a problem with Christian romances. I really don't. My friend Trisha Goyer writes them, for goodness sake, and she does a great job. She does a lot of Amish uh, romance novels, and she's an incredible author who loves the Lord, and her books are pleasing, I think, to the Lord. 
I think we always want to go back to Philippians 4, and that's where we find our answer. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And so we have to ask ourselves, is what I'm reading excellent? Is it honorable? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? In other words, would I recommend it to someone? Would I recommend this to my own daughter? If you're embarrassed by what you're reading, if what you're reading is bordering on pornography, if you're reading, say, for example, Fifty Shades of Grey, you should probably put that down. But if you're reading a story about love, you know, God made us uh, creatures who thrive in relationship. And we were made for relationship first with our creator and then with each other. And so I don't have any problem at all with uh, Christian romance novels. I'm not really a fan, but but that's just because I don't really have time to read books like that. If I'm going to pick up a book, uh, I'm typically going to be learning a new skill or reading about a new sourdough technique. <laughs> we're trying to figure out how I can uh, set up a chicken coop in my backyard or something like that. So I'm not really into the novels. I used to be. And a long time ago... Uh, one of my favorite books, actually, which I I'm, would love to read again if I can find the time, is This Present Darkness. If you've never read that book, for goodness sake, you guys, you should read it because I think it really, um, it just nails the culture that we're living in right now to an absolute T. And I hope you'll check that out. This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti, an oldie but a goodie. But to get back to your question, I don't have a problem at all with Christian romance novels as long as they fall under the category of whatever is good that the Apostle Paul lines out for us in Philippians 4, 8. All right, last question today. I'm going to touch on it really quickly. Comes from Katie in North Carolina. She says, I'm curious about the Bible's stance on the death penalty. I am torn. I know people were put to death in the Old Testament, but isn't this the old covenant law before Jesus? Uh, and is it taking the place of God in choosing when someone should not be a part of this world? There are a lot of really interesting opinions about this uh, out there. And I'm I'm going to to just give a general opinion. And also, I'm going to read something from gotquestions.org. I often refer to gotquestions if I'm, uh, if I know generally what I think about something, but I would love scriptures to back it up. This is one of my go-to websites. I hope you guys will check it out, gotquestions.org. But I think it's important to note that Christians should be consistently pro-life. We should always be uh, pro-life, but it doesn't necessitate being anti-death in all circumstances. For example, if someone takes the life of another human being, that person's life then is forfeit according to the law. And we are, uh, this is completely different than, uh, than, say, murder. If you murder somebody, obviously that's wrong. If you murder a child in the womb, that's wrong. We should absolutely be against euthanasia, that, which is, of course, assisted suicide, which is becoming more and more popular. There are actually clinics now in Europe where you can check yourself in and they'll kill you. And that's uh, that's the truth. They call them clinic. They call that health care. It's like calling abortion health care. Uh, no. And so we want to always uphold the value of life. According to the Christian worldview, human life has value, intrinsic value. We are made in the image of God. When a human being is formed in the womb of his or her mother, that a unique strand of DNA, a unique 
person is then created who has never existed before and will never exist again. But anyone who uh, violates life, for example, in premeditated murder, the Bible says should be put together, should be put to death. And this is actually a support of life. We're saying if you intentionally take the life of another human being, we're not talking about war. We're talking about premeditated murder. If you intentionally take the life of another human being, then you have devalued life and therefore your life is forfeit because we value life. It's an incredible deterrent for people if they know that they're going to pay a price for taking the life of another human being. And so I want to, I'm going to look it up really quick so I can read read a little bit to you from uh, gotquestions.org on capital punishment because I thought it was really good answering your question about the Old Testament law, which you guys heard me address briefly last Friday. Uh, the Old Testament law commanded the death penalty for various acts, murder, kidnapping, bestiality, adultery, homosexuality, being a false prophet commanded the death penalty back in the Old Testament, prostitution, rape. There were a lot of things that displeased God so much that the death penalty was the uh, was the result of these particular kinds of actions. However, God often showed mercy when the death penalty was due. David committed adultery and murder, and yet God did not demand that his life be taken. Ultimately, every sin that we commit should result in the death penalty because the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. But God in Romans 5.8 demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. God loves us. He doesn't condemn us. He gives us the opportunity to come to saving grace in Jesus Christ and to have our sins forgiven. Uh, I love this off of Got Questions. It says, how should a Christian view the death penalty? First, we must remember that God has instituted capital punishment in his word. Therefore, it would be presumptuous of us to think that we could institute a higher standard. God has the highest standard of every being. He is perfect. The standard applies not only to us, but to himself. Therefore, he loves to an infinite degree, and he has mercy to an infinite degree. We also see he has wrath to an infinite degree, and it is all maintained in perfect balance. Second, we must recognize that God has given government the authority to, to, to determine when capital punishment is due. You can see this in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 7, and also in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. It's unbiblical to claim that God opposes the death penalty in all instances. Christians should never rejoice when the death penalty is employed, but at the same time should not fight against the government's right to execute the perpetrators of the most evil of crimes. And so sometimes people will say, well, how can you be, you know, pro-life in the womb, but pro-death penalty? Because the difference that we are talking about is when someone is executed, when someone's life is forfeit, it is because they have committed a heinous act against another human being. When an unborn baby's life is taken in a heinous and cruel and barbaric way, that little baby is innocent. The person who dies at the hand of the executioner is not innocent, but rather guilty of a capital crime, a capital offense. All right, you guys, that's all I've got time for today. I hope you had a great weekend again. Uh, we want you to check out what we're doing here at Firmly Planted Family. We have over 230 classes scheduled to begin this fall, including a brand new aviation program. We've got woodworking going on. We've got auto shop going on, dance classes, constitution classes, science classes, you name it. So many things happening here 
at the Homeschool Resource Center. We hope that you will check it out. If you want more information, you can just Google us at the Firmly Planted Homeschool Resource Center right here in Vancouver, Washington. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me directly at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. If you are a subscriber to the podcast, stick around for happy hour and everybody else. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you back here again tomorrow.